Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about slowing down, talking about the marriage covenant, part one and a half. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is the 13th of June, 2022. I pray that y'all are having a good start of your summer. And I really want to start out by apologizing for last week. Last week, I tried to squish in probably four or five weeks worth of podcasts into one podcast. I hopefully would like to say that I have lost, uh, you know, learned my lesson and that I won't do it again, but I make no promises. And uh, I really just went too fast. And now you know, you know, I'm from, grew up in Massachusetts and I can be a really fast talker. So lesson learned, not going to go as fast as I did last week. Kind of, uh, I've, I've actually considered deleting last week simply because how fast it went and how many of my listeners did not care for how fast I went. So without further ado, I do want to go over, go over really quickly the tour portion for this particular week and had to ask my husband exactly how to pronounce this. And hopefully I still don't butcher it. The Torah portion for this week is called Beha Alocha, which means when you set up. And I'm going to read you real quick what the homeschooling Torah uh, woman, Ann Elliot, says in her email that she sends about it. It says this week's Torah portion is called Beha Alocha. See, I totally butchered it that time, which means when you set up. The portion starts by telling how Aaron the Cohen, the priest, set up the menorah, the lampstands, and the mishkan, which is the tabernacle. The portion continues by telling how the Israelites began to follow the pillar of cloud, moving to new campsites when the pillar moved and stopping when the pillar stood still. So that's just kind of a brief introduction to what the tour portion is about this upcoming week. To find out more, read it yourself. So we have Numbers chapter 8, verses 1 through chapter 12, verse 16. Then you have the half Torah portion, which is Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10 to chapter 4, verse 7. Sounds like a lot. It's actually not at all. Then you have the Brit Hadashah, which is Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. Really the longest portion of the Torah portion, ironically, is Numbers. So... Or on, on our, our, ironically, whichever way you want to look at it. So I am going to go over, once again, kind of about the marriage covenant, but I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to actually read you to the different references. And I think the other reason I felt rushed is, one, I wanted to do something that was kind of Shavuot-based because of it being Shavuot. But two, also, I have, and you don't know this, but on Anchor, I have basically a countdown where I have only 30 minutes until it cuts me off and no longer records. So I tend to rush things based on the clock if I'm looking at it. So I just need to make a habit of not actually looking at the clock. So I'm going to go ahead and read to you once again from 
my handy dandy book that I love to read from called A Complete Guide to Celebrating Our Messiah in the Festivals by Susan Mortimer. If you can purchase one yourself where books are sold. I got mine off of Amazon many, 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 many years ago. Have no idea how much I paid for it. I think it runs for about $125 now. But based on how much I use it, can tell you, you know, it, it definitely is worth the money. It's not like it's just sitting on a shelf and not being used and just looking pretty. So, a Jewish wedding and God's marriage covenant with Israel. Frequently in scripture, Adonai refers to Israel as his wife, so we may picture the making of the covenant as a wedding ceremony. God's covenant with Israel has many elements that are found in traditional Jewish weddings. Number one, the marriage is arranged by a matchmaker. Like I said last week, you know, if you're a fan of Fiddler on the Roof, you are familiar with this, or even if you have you grew up Jewish, then you are familiar with this particular term, matchmaker. Uh, Ginta was the woman who was the matchmaker in the village in Fiddler on the Roof, and she would match up prospective boys and girls together. And that was her job. Moses, or Moshe, was the matchmaker or go-between for Israel and God. In Exodus 19, verse 3 to 6, abridged, Then Moshe went up to Adonai, and Adonai called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So he's setting it up right there. This is, this is the arrangement we're going to have. This is how the marriage is going to be. And Moshe was the mediator. He was the matchmaker. He went down and he told the Israelites, this is what Adonai has said. This is the covenant he wants to make with us. Same as... In Jewish tradition, you have a matchmaker who's kind of the go-between between the girl and the boy or the man and the woman. Number two, the bride has a right to veto the marriage or agree to it. Israel agreed to it. In Exodus 19, 7 through 8, So Moshe went back and summoned the people and set before them all the words the Lord Adonai had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything Adonai has said. So Moshe brought their answer back to Adonai. That's pretty clear cut. Israel agreed to the covenant that Adonai laid out for them. Number three, the bride takes a ritual bath, a mikvah, in a body of water such as a lake or river. Israel passed through the Red Sea or the Reed Sea before meeting God at Mount Sinai. In Exodus 14, 21 through 22, then Moshe stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night Adonai drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. A beautiful comparison of the mikvah ritual bath that we see nowadays in our Christian brothers and sisters is baptism. Um, it is not required for you to be baptized to accept Yeshua into your heart and become saved. Not a salvation issue. 
I'm sure I'll probably get emails about it. But that being said, that's where baptisms come from. They come from the mikvah, the idea of mikvah, where you ritually cleanse yourself, especially like for the woman, you would cleanse yourself after your monthly period. There's a lot of other instances of where you would do that as well. And it's not just for women. I mean, obviously women do it more than men simply because, you know, you got to do it at least once a month. So um, that's kind of where they get the whole baptism. You know, if you go look at Paul actually talks about it being baptized and it's talking about the mikvah. Number four, the bride prepares herself for the wedding. So the Israelites washed and got ready. Exodus 19, 10 through 11. And Adonai said to Moshe, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready for the th- by the third day, because on that day, Adonai will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. So just as the bride prepares herself for the wedding, the Israelites prepare themselves to be in the presence of Adonai. They needed to get clean. Number five, before the wedding, the bride and groom have a short face-to-face meeting to affirm their intentions. God met with Israel. On the morning, okay, this is Exodus 19, 16 and 18 to 19. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet shofar blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because Adonai descended on it in fire. The smoke billed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Now, I know typically, at least in American wedding celebrations, the tradition is you actually don't see the bride before, right before the wedding. The groom does not see the bride right before the the wedding because it's considered bad luck. However, I believe that tradition is only if the bride is wearing her wedding dress already. So you could absolutely have this meeting. And I guess in Jewish tradition, you, before the wedding, the bride and groom do have a short face-to-face to affirm their intentions, which I think is honestly a good thing because you don't want to get, you know, that's how you end up, you end up with those poor people who are left at the altar. So God did meet with Israel. Six, the marriage covenant or contract, the ketubah, is spoken aloud and agreed upon. God spoke to Israel. Even though they were afraid, they said they would listen and fulfill their part of the contract. So, Exodus 20, verse 1 through 19, this is abridged. And God spoke all these words. I am Adonai, your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of Adonai. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moshe, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Going to be honest, I can't imagine actually hearing the voice of Adonai palpably like actually the voice of Adonai we're not talking about like the still small voice of like the Holy Spirit we're talking about like him coming down with thunder and lightning and and just the world shaking and yeah I can understand why they wanted Moshe to speak speak for them 
Number seven, the marriage contract, the ketubah, is written as a legal document, much like a prenuptial agreement stating the terms for each party. Moshe wrote the covenant in a book and read it to the people. Then he went up in the mountain where God wrote the marriage covenant in stone. Exodus 24, 4-12, abridged. Moshe then wrote down everything Adonai had said. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Adonai has said. We will obey. Adonai said to Moshe, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commands I've written for their instruction. Honestly, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the typical wedding, wedding that you go to and you're, you know, you're saying your wedding vows. These are the things I'm vowing to you that I'm going to do to have and to hold to, you know, to love and to cherish and in sickness and in health till death to us part. Those are, those are vows. You're, you're vowing to be with that person until they're dead, basically. Um, not even basically, that's the truth of it. So um, you know, people are like, ah, you know, I don't like the idea of it being a prenuptial agreement. Well, you're right. But you know what? Even at the marriage ceremony, you're saying, this is what I'm pledging to you. This is what I pledge to do. I choose to love you first and no other. Number eight, the wedding takes place under a canopy or a chuppah. The covenant was ratified under the shadow of Mount Sinai and the cloud of God's glory. Moshe, uh, this is Exodus 24, 8 through 18, abridged. Moshe then took the blood of bulls, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that Adonai has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moshe and Aharon, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up the mountain and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. They saw Adonai and they ate and drank. When Moshe went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. To the Israelites, the glory of Adonai looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moshe entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I think that one's kind of self-explanatory as well. Obviously, the covenant, they're in the shadow of Mount Sinai. The wedding takes place under a chuppah. Number nine. Breaking the marriage contract, the ketubah, is a serious matter. With Moshe away, the Israelites soon broke their side of the covenant. Exodus 32, abridged. When the people saw that Moshe was so long in the mountain, they said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. Then Adonai said to Moshe, Go down because your people have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. Now leave me alone that I may destroy them. But Moshe sought the favor of Adonai. Then Adonai relented. When Moshe approached and saw the calf in the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for Adonai, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Each man strapped a sword to his side. The Levites did as Moshe commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died by the sword. So, I think this is a really, another good reason that this is a really good picture of, yes, this is a picture of a Jewish wedding, but really it's, it's a picture of anyone that has chosen to have a covenant between themselves and their spouse they've they've decided to have a marriage covenant because this is exactly what happens 
even in your typical marriage, if your significant other or even you chooses to break the covenant, it's a serious matter. Now, I know there are some believers out there who say there is no excuse. There's no reason to ever get divorced. And I would say to you, read your Bible because it's not accurate and it's not true. And I'm so thankful to Adonai that he gave everyone an option to get out of an unhealthy relationship where there is instances or examples of infidelity that is an acceptable reason to leave the marriage when it is a situation where you are being abused physically emotionally spiritually sexually you know any of these things where you it, it is actually considered like domestic violence situation it is in your best interest and if you have children in your children's best interest to get out of that situation whether you're a man or a woman because it does happen on uh, you know women can be the ones perpetrating that kind of violence you should be out of that situation adonai does not want you to be beaten that is not his heart for us that's not okay so for those of you who say, you know, it's a done deal, there's no instances and no reason, I would disagree with you strongly. And so does the Bible. And that honestly is what matters. It doesn't even matter what my opinion is. It matters what, what the word of God says. And that's what it does say, that there are exceptions to that rule. Now, they're few and far between. Unfortunately, in the broken world that we live in, the fallen world that we live in, it's unfortunately a lot more um, likely to happen then perhaps it may have happened back in the days of Yeshua. But it still should be an option. Now, number 10, the broken marriage contract, the ketubah is void. Only by the grace of Adonai did he renew his marriage covenant, giving a second pair of stone tablets. So, you know, it doesn't mean you can't give your partner a second chance. You certainly can. Adonai gave Israel how many chances? Just make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and that it's healthy and that the other person is repentant. The guilty party is repentant. And I mean repentant. I'm not talking about domestic violence here. I'm talking about somebody who has committed uh, infidelity and adultery. That's what I'm talking about. Exodus 34, 1, 10, and 28, it says, Adonai said to Moshe, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Then Adonai said, I am making a covenant with you. I'll do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people will see how awesome is the work that I, Adonai, will do for you. Sorry, that was paper. I got a little aggressive with it. Moshe was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now, I think that this is actually a really beautiful picture. So Moshe didn't go up to Mount Sinai and twiddle his thumbs. He was working, right? So when you have a situation where there is perhaps, you know, infidelity in your relationship and you've chosen, you've both chosen to work on the relationship, there is work involved. It's not simply sitting back and being like, well, you know, they said they were sorry, so they must actually be sorry. No, there should be some counseling involved. There should be some actual repentance. There should be him going to 
um, his rabbi or his pastor and being open and honest about what happened because you're only as sick as your secrets. And if you shine a light in the darkness of your secrets, then they're no longer going to be as much of a problem because you're going to have accountability to make sure that you don't make that same mistake again. Now, number 11, the bride's veil is lifted so groom can claim her as the one he intended to marry. This tradition began because Yaakov was tricked into marrying a veiled Leah instead of Rachel. Moshe put a veil over his face unless he was in Adonai's presence. Exodus 34, abridged. When Moshe came down from Mount Sinai, his face was radiant because he had spoken with Adonai. When Moshe finished speaking to the Israelites, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered Adonai's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moshe would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with Adonai. So he took off the veil when he was with his beloved, when he was with Adonai, right? When he was with his groom, because, you know, the bride and the groom. We are the bride, Adonai is the groom. So I think that's a beautiful illustration of that. I also think that that tradition is a good tradition, especially after what happened with with Rachel and Leah um, to poor Yaakov. But uh, but yeah, he, he obviously wasn't completely innocent 100% either his whole life, but who of us is? Number 12, a house must be built for the couple to live in together. Israel built the tabernacle for Adonai and the Shekinah, the dwelling glory of God, came down to live among the people. Exodus 40, verse 17 and 34. Adonai said to Moshe, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. You are to receive for them gold, silver, and bronze, fine linen, ramskins, and acacia wood. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. That's actually Exodus 25, 1 through 9 abridged. This is Exodus 40, 17, 34 abridged. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month and the second year. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. See, now this is something that I actually think we, especially in Western culture, we definitely mess up because how many times do people actually live together before they even get married? Which by the way, statistically speaking, you're more likely to get divorced if you do that. And then you don't actually have a set place to live when you are married. And to me, like, that's a huge mistake. I think that Jewish culture, that's a really great thing. In fact, what they would typically do is they would just add on to their parents' home, the, the groom would. So I love that the Israelites built a home for Adonai to live in. Number 13. The law, the Torah, states that a husband could not go to battle for a full year after his wedding. Exodus 19, 1 and 2 abridged. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Numbers 10, 11 through 12 abridged. On the 20th day of the second month of the second year, the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle of the testimony. Then the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai and traveled from place to place. Even though they moved before a full year had passed, they there were still no battles for a long time. And I know I talked about that last, in passing, I talked about it, you know, last uh, podcast, how it's a good thing, you know, my husband and I, we're not necessarily following 
Uh, we were not Messianic Jewish at that time when we got married because, you know, we got married and two weeks later he was sent off to Afghanistan because he was a Marine. So I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that, actually, because, you know, trying to argue with the Marine Corps that you can't be deployed somewhere for a full year after you're married, I don't think would go over well at all. Now, that is literally all I have time for this particular week. Next week, I'm going to talk about the Broken Covenant. Hopefully, this was done a little bit better than last week and you got a little bit more out of it. If you have any questions or comments or something you want me to talk about, please leave me a message. I will, at the end of this, let you know how to do that. Like I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Hashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. I pray that you have a fantastic week. Love on those around you, those in your circle. Love on your family. Love on your friends. Love on your parents. Love on your children. Love on everyone and anyone that you can get a handle on. And share, share with somebody about what you learned about the marriage covenant. Have a blessed week, y'all. And I will be back here next week. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is an Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, the number three at ProtonMail.com. You can also leave me a one-minute voicemail message on Anchor.fm slash Erica LaCasse, and it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.